<coughs> so, if you want to turn to our Torah portion, we are in Re'eh. Not sure if I pronounced that right, but that's okay. Starts in C, and that's in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11. So if you want to turn there, that's where we'll start. We're going to go through each of the chapters there, and uh, then we'll go into our Haftor portion and the Apostolic Scriptures portion as well. Uh, before we do that, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, for the Sabbath, this time to gather, this place to gather, um, those of us who you've called by your name, and that we um, can gather here to learn from your word, to live it out, to learn how to walk, that we may represent you, be one with you, as we're going to read in, in uh, John, um, that you would lead us into all truth, and that you would guide us by your spirit, and um, that we would be diligent to study and know your word and walk after it faithfully. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we're following our Torah portions here and back into Deuteronomy. And um, the, the word which it starts out in Deuteronomy 11.26 is Re, which means see or as it says in my Bible, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. So what's happening is, again, like we've said, God is laying out to the, this next generation of people before they get ready to go into the land who they are, what their job is, and what they're supposed to do once they get into the land. And because they have entered into this contractual agreement with God, and have said all these words that you have said we will obey and we will do, um, he says, all right, well, great, that's good. Now, the reality and the fact of the matter is, if you obey them and you keep them, there's blessing. If you disobey them, there's only cursing. Because there's only two paths uh, of life which really are out there. There's either God's ways and paths and how everything's are meant to be designed and function. Because we have to keep that in mind. Our God is the one who made everything. And so he designed it specifically to function a certain way. And everything else departs from his word because it is his word who formed the very universe in which we live. Anything else sends things into chaos. It's like when you split an atom, you get big explosions. You know? They're not meant to be separated. They're, it was designed to work a certain way. And so that's an important concept to keep in mind as we're going to... Uh, go forward in here, and why he always warns them when they're going to be getting ready to go into the land, you know, not to to destroy the other nations, to wipe down their wipe out their idols and their places of worship, to not covet the gold, not put it in your house, mound up a heap over it, and let it not be inhabited again, because it was never supposed to be there in the first place. You know what I get thinking? It's like, well, why didn't God just like uh, the crystalline entity. For those of you who know Star Trek, you know. Why did he say the crystalline entity before they got in there? So we wouldn't have to deal with all of that. But he didn't. You know? And maybe it's part of what we re- re- listen to in the song. You know? He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know? It, that... I don't know. He, he does this stuff to test us and to try us really to see what's in our heart and whether we'll obey him and follow him. And, um, and, and that's exactly what it does, is it, is it reveals what's inside the hearts of his people. And uh, so there's no crystalline entity for us in our lives. <laughs> you know, it's a daily, uh, it's a daily repeat of it all over again, you know? And I, I don't know, if you're like me, it's like every day I get up, it's like, ah, here I am doing it again, you know. But that's okay, and, and but that's how God instructs us and our teaches us, by, by these cyclical patterns and ways and methods and His Word and repeating it, and why we do the Torah portion every year, over and over, on a three-year cycle. Why? Because we, we have to constantly have these things repeated in our lives 
And and just like when you're in school and then teaching our own kids, oh, it's over and over and over, same thing, and you want to shoot yourself in the head. But that's the only way we learn because we, out of sight, out of mind, you know, is how we function as people. And so when we put God's word and his ways out of our sight and out of our mind, we are left to our own devices. And as we're going to see, he says, you know, let not everybody be doing everything, whatever the heck they feel like, like it is this day. You know, following the intents of their own heart. He says, you know, follow my words and my ways because anything else, you create your own God. You create your own idol. You create your own religion. And that's, we have, I have bajillions of dominant denominations and uh, false gods and Greek mythology and nor anything you can imagine. And he says, you're not supposed to take any of that and keep it in your life in any form, fashion, or way. Or, or meld it into what I've told you to do. I took you out of Egypt. I've redeemed you by my own blood. This is what you do. This is what will keep you alive. And this is what will bless you. All else is curses. You know? And, and, and what, that, what that means is, is blessing is basically everything functions the way it's supposed to according to God's word. Food, family, health, life relationships, all of that. When, when it, the curses result, it's, it's not like God going, <coughs> lightning bolt, you know, zapping you because you, you know, poor schmuck, although we see that occasionally with the prophets of Baal. Um, it's more the natural consequences that are built into the world in which we live. You know, why do famines come? Why do disasters come? Not because of... Uh, uh, you know what we we what we're really good as humans is blaming it on something else. Well, it's you know corporations, and you know we don't have enough carbon credits, or it's the Chinese and they won't get their act together and stop polluting. Yes, some of these things are really bad, but it's because we as people on the earth have have thumbed our nose at God's ways for our lives, and it's because we don't follow God's word that then chaos ensues because what we, what uh, God's word and, and, and blessings born out because of obedience is typified especially when you look at in the history of Israel in the scriptures because famine and enemies coming against us it says time and time again that it's because they didn't obey God not because you know, of some weird, you know, pattern of something. You know, they disobeyed, and so there was a famine, there was no rain, and people died. And so that we reap the same consequences. Today, it's just, uh, we, t- we, we, we blame it on other things, you know, because we, we don't want to accept personal responsibility for our own actions and our own disobedience in our lives, and so... You know, we we make doctrines and we make religions and we make organizations and uh, things that find, you know, and and, and all these things that I I believe you could just, you could package them under another religion because you've just made your own way in life and and, uh, that only leads to cursing. So, that's what we're going to kind of look at as we go into here. Um... All right, so let's just start here, and we'll kind of go through, and I'll um, pause on a few things as we as we read here. <clears throat> so let's start in uh, eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of Yehovah your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of Yehovah your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass, when Yehovah thy God hath brought thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim, and curse upon Mount Ebal. What you're going to see is we read, <coughs> uh, it's more actually when Joshua takes over and they get into the land, um, as they cross the Jordan River, they have the ble- they have they split up the people basically, and they have half of the people go up on Mount Gerizim, and they recite the blessings, and the other half go up on Gabal, and they recite the curses, and uh, I think it's then the, I haven't read in a while, the ark then passes through, and it's a sign of 
you know, them basically again picturing making a covenant with God, essentially. Because you, you recite, each party recites the blessings and the cursings, and then you walk in between, usually a sacrifice. And, uh, and so that's what he's saying you're going to do when you get into the land. So in 12, verse 1, he goes on and says, These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall observe to do in the land, which Jehovah, God of thy fathers, giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods. Upon the high mountains, upon the hills, on under every green tree, you shall overthrow their altars, break their pillows, burn their groves with fire. You shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. You shall not do so unto Jehovah your God, but unto the place which Jehovah your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek. Thither shalt thou come. Thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, tithe, heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your fuel wheel offerings and the offerings of your herd and your flocks. And there ye shall eat before Jehovah your God and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto ye and your households whither, wherein Jehovah thy God hath blessed thee. Ye shall do not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. So that's exactly not what was supposed to happen. You know, and the, 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 the typical thing that you read and say, see today is that, you know, mankind is basically good, you know, and collectively, and we, you know, have evolved to figure out, you know, oh, don't throw a rock at someone, that'll hurt, and so we don't do that. Um... But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches that we're born wicked, sinful, and that our heart is desperately wicked. And so what we will naturally do is whatever we see is right in our own eyes. And Moses says, let's stop doing that. And because they came out of Egypt and, and where they would um, sacrifice all over the place, you know, the myriad of um, Baal worship and uh, Egyptian religion and you know, they had multiple gods for everything, and they did all kinds of weird things with each one. And so Moses said, was telling them, and God's telling them, you're going to go into the land, I am going to set my tabernacle in the midst of you, which it already was, and then he would set it up in the land. And that is where they would go to bring their sacrifices, their tithes, and their offerings, wherever he placed their name, which eventually um, first was in Bethel, and then it was Hebron. And then it was in uh, Jerusalem, eventually, when David brought, uh, brought the ark up there. And so then he goes on, and we're going to see um, in verse 11, Then there shall be a place which Jehovah your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, sacrifices, tithe, heave offerings of the hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto Jehovah. So they were they were only allowed to bring their sacrifices and offerings to um, where the tabernacle was, to where God had chosen to place His name. Um, where I maybe get a little confused, or what I've had questions, and I don't I don't know that I've had a good answer to this. But what's interesting to me is you end up having uh, Samuel. And Elisha and a lot of the prophets sacrificing not at the temple. So I don't know if those were certain sacrifices that, you know, were outside of what had to be done at the temple, but it seems pretty clear here that anything done unto God has to be there. My thought, though, is, well, what if, because usually during those times everything was in disarray and was in chaos, that maybe God's presence wasn't there. Maybe God's presence was wherever that prophet was and when God was speaking and communing with him. I don't know, honestly. But, so, and then as extension, what, uh, for us, that's why I like at Passover, we don't sacrifice a lamb in our, in our backyard to, to keep Passover because the commandment is you have to bring it to the temple in, in Jerusalem and, have, and, and do it there. And so because there's no temple, there's no, in, in Jerusalem, we can't do these things. And so, because um, that's one of the things that when, you know, you first start, I first started down this walk, it's like, well, what are you going to start sacrificing lambs in your backyard and you're going to stone your children? And But when you actually read 
what the commandments say, they're very specific. And so you have to do them, again, how they're outlined and how they're laid out, not however you see fit to meet them out, basically. And so that's what we, we, we see here. So then it goes on and it talks about um, when you go up to the temple, um, you, you're basically supposed to celebrate. And you're supposed to uh, bring offerings and tithes and bring it up there and um, uh, en- enjoy yourself, essentially. Uh, all right, let's see. And let's go on to um, verse 29 of chapter 12. When Yahweh thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou go to possess them, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto Yehovah thy God. For every abomination to Yehovah, which he hateth, they have done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. Whatsoever thing I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereunto, nor diminish from it. So this is an extremely important passage, which, unfortunately, in Christianity today, this is exactly what has happened. Uh, going back into the second, first, second, third, and fourth century, and later... Uh, they started to adopt uh, and Christianize and baptize uh, pagan religions, uh, feast days and dietary things and celebrations, until where now you have Christmas, twelve days of uh, twelve days of Christmas, Yule logs, Holly, um, Easter, you know, Easter ham, you know, Easter eggs, bunny, you know, Santa Claus, you know, none of this stuff is in the Bible. You know, and even up until the mid and late 1800s, Christmas was actually outlawed in New England because the Puritans hated it because it was seen as um, the the Protestants when they get, when they separated from the Catholic Church, they they shunned all of that because they said no that no that's scriptural. You know, you can't just come in and dunk it and baptize and be like oh now we do it to Jesus. You know, that's not okay. And so it really. Uh, wasn't until the early 1900s that we see this stuff gaining in popularity because oh, people like it and it can't be all that bad. We're doing nice things. But what again, usually what, what gets us in trouble most of the time? It's usually our good intentions. You know, usually most of us aren't out there like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick that poor person. You know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, Steal from this. You know, we're not doing that. We have these good intentions in our hearts, in, in our thoughts, but, but they're not what God says to do. So he doesn't care if you feel good about uh, your, your huff, fluffy, happy feelings uh, during Christmas time, and that's the one day that all your family gets together and is happy. It doesn't make it okay. You know, it's, what, is, what is right is what should matter to us, not what makes us feel good no matter how we package it, no matter how the world packages it. And uh, so that's, and, and God makes a really big point about this. And because he's then going to go on, he's going to tie this into um, uh, uh, prophets and dreamers of dreams and someone who gives the assign or wonder. And um, man, you got to be careful if you're saying you're one of those people. <laughs> I think it would be a lot of dead people if, if you know, there were uh, the penalties were actually enacted. Uh, people out there saying they're prophets, and people out there saying they're hearing words from God, and people out there saying they're getting dreams. And um, and I and let me be clear, I believe God works in all of those ways, undoubtedly. But the pattern that you see in Scripture is, is the person who, who God speaks through and uses usually doesn't even want the job, you know. Or if he does, it's out of a humility, and then God just sends him through the ringer, you know. Uh, and it's a terrible life, basically. You know, this isn't a good thing. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, it is a good thing. 
And so, because the penalty for, um, well, let's just read, let's just read into this. So it's really, but it's so important, especially in our day and age, because what we need to understand is, and we need, to, we need to test what people are telling us and teaching us and saying and dreaming and, you know, prophesying. You know, we need to look at them and not just bite off whatever they say because it's really easy to say, oh, God told me this. Uh, well, did he really? And so then let's look at you a little bit before I, we believe what you say. And then if it doesn't come to pass, guess what? You're supposed to be dead. You know, that, that's what... <laughs> That's what God says. Because, because why? He doesn't mess around with his word. It is his word and his name that is, is, is at stake. And so if you go and you misrepresent the king, you're a dead man. You don't mis misrepresent me. And, and who does a king send? His most faithful, trusted, and reliable people. Not some spurious fly-by-night who knows who that came out of nowhere who wants you to give him a ton of money. You know, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I operate with a lot of skepticism. Probably to a fault, but I don't care. <laughs> so let's read this. 13, and there's a little bit in chapter 18 that we're going to read. So chapter 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign... Or a wonder, and the sign, or the wonder, come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. <coughs> thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams. For Yehovah your God, this is the kind of scary part, on the other side. For Yehovah your God proveth you to know whether ye love Yehovah your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. You shall walk after Yahweh your God and fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. So God, even if whatever the son Joblo says comes to pass, if he's leading us away from anything that God has said to do, i.e. go serve another God, go join another religion, or whatever, you're not supposed to listen to him. And in fact... God is using that person to test you to know whether you will obey and serve God and cling to Him and fear Him and His Word. And there's an example of that. When you get in the book of the Kings, God is sitting up in heaven. Uh, I've, I've talked on it before. I'll just briefly tell it. There's a king up in the northern kingdom, and he's wondering whether he should go attack somebody, and he's got his prophet, and he says, yeah, go attack him, you're going to win, everything's going to be great and dandy, and and so his friend says, oh, you know, who, is there a real prophet that we can trust? We, there's this other guy, and he is a real prophet of God, but then the king says, yeah, but he never tells me what I want to hear. And so God then... Uh, sends the Paul's prophet, and anyway, it boils all down to God actually sends false prophecy through one of his false prophets to get the king to do the wrong thing because he gives you what you want. Because if that king really wanted to obey God, he would have searched God's word and he would have seen, no, this is not right, what, what even this prophet is telling me. And so there are prophets, there's dreamers of dreams, they can even be coming from God, but it could be a test to know what's inside your heart and his mind and, and whether you will follow him and obey him. And this is serious stuff that's going on in our day and age right now because as, as I believe God is working mightily with his spirit and his people, so is the adversary to muddy the waters. Because, all, you, you know... The, the easiest thing to do is um, if there's if the guy in the red hat has the truth, send a crowd of people with red hats, right? And so nobody can tell. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the adversary does. And and God even, which goes against you know what you think, God sends tests even along the way to test us. You know, it's a far cry from. 
you know, the peace and prosperity and, you know, you'll get whatever you want if you push the buttons right. So, now, let's read what happens to these bad guys. Alright, verse 5. And that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he has spoken to turn you away from Yehovah your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way, which Jehovah thy God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. Let's quickly turn up to, uh, go to 18, chapter 18, and the very end, chapter 18, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, so that's really important because a lot of there's a whole this whole uh, you know uh, a movement, especially in the charismatic world. I'm not just dumping on them, but but this we have to understand the seriousness of this. You know, say, oh, I got a word from the Lord. Really? Are you sure about that? Because it says, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. Or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And then the, if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which Jehovah have spoken? How do we know if this guy is real or true or not? 22, when a prophet speaketh in the name of Jehovah, if the thing falleth not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which Jehovah hath not spoken, but the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So that person is to be put to death, and at the very least, and especially this pertains to our day and age, because we can't put people to death, because, again, we don't have judges and Sanhedrin and a structure to set that up to do that. We do not listen to those people. They are to be avoided. So we go back to 13. And what happens with these people is 6. <laughs> yeah. So let's just read it. If thy brother the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee. So in other words, anywhere, from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, Neither shall I pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. That's another big one. But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he has sought to thrust thee away from Jehovah thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear and fear, and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. You know, this, this is brutal stuff. You know, God's not mincing words. Why again? Because everything he is, and everything he's doing, is at stake and the fallout from the chaos that ensues is catastrophic. And tons of innocent people end up dying because of it. And led down the rosy road to hell. Because, because of some good whatever. And so that's why it's so important to trust, test it. And also, God's people... They have to as vigorously defend God's word as God himself would. You're not supposed to pity him or conceal him. Your hand shall be first in putting him to death, whether it's Joe Blow down the street or your family member or your friend. You know, this is just, it's just serious stuff. Now, what really kills me is I read a commentary on this tour portion from, I won't say names, a uh, well-known, um, pretty well-known Messianic teacher 
And he said, oh, this is, you know, this is a heavy thing. But thankfully, this penalty is no longer pertinent or relevant anymore because of uh, any, uh, Second Colossians 14, I think it is, which is the verse that says, uh, and Yeshua, I'm going to paraphrase, Yeshua's blood blotted out the handwriting which was against us. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, is this guy for real? So, so let, you know, something, all right, let me get this straight. So that, is he saying Yeshua's death blotted out, uh, blotted out, uh, blotted out one of the commandments? Because if God in his word is eternal and doesn't change, which that's what he says, how did Yeshua's death do away with this penalty? And why this penalty? Why not, you know, if I can go rob something and I don't have to give it back? Why does it not do away with that penalty? You know, so what are we, cherry picking off the tree now? Whatever we feel like, you know, is blotted out is blotted out. But if you actually read the context of Colossians 1, he's saying, isn't it talking about penalties for sin, which, which, which can never change? He's talking about Yeshua dying to redeem us from eternal separation from God. Yeshua's death did not, you know, wipe out if I crash my car, I don't have to pay the, to repair the telephone pole that I broke. You know, it doesn't fix that. It... it it takes away the separation of sin and death from me to the Father so that now I am a child of God. You know, I got you out. <laughs> the death of the Lamb is what took the Israelites out of Egypt. Then they go to the, tab, the, the, the mountain. God gives them the instructions. And so you follow the instructions. Just like you come to America, you become a naturalized citizen, right? You get saved. You know, you, be, you, you, you become an Israel, American, Israel, whatever you want to say. But then, but then, what? You live under the rules of the land and all the you know, consequences that ensue. Just like if, if with the refugee cities. If I accidentally... You know, was chopping an at, you know a tree, and my axe handle fell off and killed Paul. I had to go to the refugee city, and then if I left before the high priest died, his relatives could come and kill me. You know, uh, you know so I'm, I'm reading. I just blew my mind that he could say this. It and 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 and, and how. The gravity and the weight of what, what he's talking about here. So what? Balaam <laughs> could come and prophesy against Israel, and but the blood of Yeshua, he doesn't have to be put to death anymore. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, this, th that's such a horrible thing to say. Ah, you know, and... To not have the wisdom to see this? You know, so what What if some other... God, so so what? Do we start listening to people? What if somebody stands up and prophesies and says, and by the way, we've got a new book and eight other holidays that we finally found out of some copper scroll, scroll that we dug up somewhere. You know, we listen to that guy? No! Because why? He's leading you away from God and his commandments and ways. So that was disheartening. Say the least. <sighs> you know, so there, there, it's a real danger that we now who are, you know, coming back to Torah and following Yeshua as he lived, we still have to be, and even more so now, ardently burdened in our study and knowledge of the scripture. Lest we be led astray, because what happens is, is God softens your heart to the truth, but you, you can't let down all bar you know, barriers and walls to let anything that goes in, you know, that's why we have the Torah, you know. And that's why saying that anything could change and go away or be done away with is so dangerous. Because it just opens up Pandora's box for anything and everything, you know. <clears throat> All right, let's see. So, 
so, you know, it talks about leading you to serve other gods. So what is serving other, other gods? It's really anything in practice or absence of keeping the words of God following his perfect son, Yeshua. And I phrase it another way. Anything in practice that keeps you from following Yeshua or anything that takes away from your following Yeshua and keeping his words and his commandments and ways. Do not add unto and do not take away from my word. And that's what we're going to read in, in John when Yeshua's praying right before Judas comes. He says over and over, I and me, them and me, us and you, you and us, that we be one. Well, you can't have, be all be one if one group's doing one thing and he's doing another and God's doing another. You know, that, that's a schizophrenic God. We don't want that. And we need not be schizophrenic either. You know, because when the world looks at us, they need to see consistency. And they need to see stability that operates according to laws. That's why, that's why people go camping. Why do you go camping? Because in nature, everything just works the way it's supposed to. I mean, we're screwing it up nowadays, but by and large. And that's why it's peaceful and it's relaxing. You get into the rhythms and the modes of life that go with the environment around you like we were supposed to live. Now we live in concrete buildings with electric lights and heat and cold and you know water, anything we want, anytime we want it. And so we create an artificial environment. And we do the same thing in our, in our, in our theological, biblical, religious worlds as we create an artificial environment that's not based in anything structurally consistent, which is only the Word of God. <laughs> you know? It's just it's like... Sometimes I wish God did lightning bolts. They'd be like, that one? But, but, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, we wouldn't be here. Either. That's right. I'd probably be exact long time ago. You know, I don't know. I, I guess I just yearn for, you know, either these stupid leaders would just shut up and go away or would get their hearts and minds right. And if they don't have a answer... Shut up! And don't be afraid to say you don't know. And the single thing goes for me or anybody else. You know, I'm not perfect either. But that's okay. You know, we're all children that God is leading along. And if we all have the heart of a child who just wants to please our Heavenly Father and follow Him, where we may not have the answers, but we're still just willing to obey anyway. You know, it's like, even now, you know, I used to think like, um, <laughs> when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I wouldn't, you know, parent like my parents parented. You know, I'd do things differently. And now, you know, 10, 12 years down the road, and I have my own 10-year-old, and I think, you know, there's just some things you, you cannot understand as a kid. And you will not grasp until you're 30. And that's why you have to just obey your parents. And that's why God said, obey your parents and learn this is right so your days may be long upon the land. And I'll bless you. It's the same thing with God in his word. So instead of reading that and saying, geez, I don't want to stone my wife because she's telling me to go, you know, uh, have an Easter ham. Uh, you know, and say, well, that can't, you know. Uh, uh, oh, he blotted out the handwriting of the transcripts from the Yeah, Yeah. Uh, okay, good. Good, now I don't have to and, and Yeah, instead of doing that, why, why, why make excuses? You know, we, we're not going to understand any, everything. But that's okay. When we're, you know, no longer children of God, and we're adults of God, which maybe that'll be messy in a kingdom, I don't know, when we know everything, that then we'll understand. Until that point, you know, we, we just need to obey. <clears throat> and and we need to test everything that, you know, and not just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Eat, I don't care how well-known stupid person is. Because all men are fallible. We're all going to screw up at some point. We're all going to let each other down at some point. And we're all, <laughs> all going to screw up. And so we cannot create another generation 
another religious system, which we're already doing and we already have done, where we're following men again. You know, we're doing the same thing over again, just with different days, wearing zitzi, wrapped in prayer shawl. And so the Jews look at that, and they say, there's another group of schizophrenics. You know? And the rest of the world says, you know, there's another, you know, religious whack jobs. You know? Here you're in a cult, you know. But what I want to be able to do is tell my net friends and my neighbors, you know, when they say, oh, wow, you're a creationist? <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever looked at the evidence for it? Because there's more evidence for it than there is for the theory theory of evolution. It's just that's not what gets pushed. Why? Because who control who's the prince of power of the air? The adversary is. You know. And uh, you know, we're so pathetic at defending our faith. It's just ridiculous. And so I think until until we can man up as 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 uh, ad, uh, advocates and ad, ad uh, what I'm trying to say advocates of God, you know, we're just going to be, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, a mighty force devouring all that come in our path, not you know limp noodle, meek, mild, you know, people anymore. Yeah, it doesn't mean that we're not gracious and we're not long-suffering and we're not humble. It's not what I'm saying. But, anyway, you know what I'm saying. All right, let's keep going. Uh, oh, let's, I want to quickly go to 14 because this is such a great passage. Chapter 14, verse 1. Ye are the children of God, of Yehovah your God. So, I, I love how he... Uh, I love how he starts out with that. He says, "You're, you, you know, it's like like what you, you're my kid. You know, I don't care what Johnny does down the street. If everybody jumped off the bridge, would you? You know, it's like that's what you're hearing." He says, "You are the children of Yahweh your God. In other words, you follow my rules of my house, not what anybody else does. <coughs> so you don't make cut yourselves. You don't make baldness." Verse 2, for thou art a holy people, which means set apart for a specific purpose. Unto Yehovah thy God and Yehovah have chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the earth. Now, peculiar doesn't mean what has become known means like, well, that's peculiar, you know, or weird. That's what we, you know, it's kind of become. It actually means, it, is, it means one's own property. So we are God's specific property. Now that puts it in a different framework, doesn't it? In other words, that lawnmower does whatever the owner of the lawnmower tells it to do. It doesn't just go off and start mowing weird lawns, wearing odd paths. So, like when I, you know, we go with the kids somewhere, and we go in a restaurant, and they start having dinner, and I say, you're my kids. You're not going to ask to bring this restaurant. We're not a bunch of wild animals do whatever we feel like. <coughs> you obey. It's the same thing for us. Don't do whatever we're doing right here, whatever's right in your own eyes. In other words, when we go into that restaurant, into the land of Israel, you do what I tell you to do. Because there's, you know, we're not going to inflict ourselves. That's, that's why I always tell the kids, right? We're not going to inflict ourselves on everyone around us by how you behave horribly. We will operate as the children of God how we're supposed to in the world. So then it goes on, and one of the first things it said is, this is how you're going to eat. It's just like, well, that's not all that big and holy. Well, start applying it to your life, and you'll find out how much it makes you peculiar, weird. <laughs> you know? So he gives us specific things. And it's not because they didn't have refrigeration or that their intestines weren't as long. <laughs> you know? It's because that's what God told them to do. Again, it doesn't matter if we understand it or not. So he says, this is what you do. 
and then you're going to be tithing when you get down in the 20s. And if it's too far for you to go, you're going to sell it and you bring it up. Basically, what he's telling them that right there is you're actually supposed to put away a certain amount of money so that you can celebrate the feast. Because three times a year, you had to go to Jerusalem, and that costs money. And when you got there, if you were a drunk, uh, 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 a broke bum, you know, you're not going to be able to have a good time. So you were to save up money and animals and sell them so you could go and you could enjoy yourself and bring your tithes and things like that. Because three times a year, you had to go to Jerusalem. At the end of three years, it says in um, 28, you're to bring forth all your tithe of thine increase the same year and shalt lay it up in thy gates. Every third year, they were supposed to have 10% tithe that would go to, um, excuse me, the Levite, the fatherless, and the widow. Because those were the three groups that didn't have any uh, one to look out for them, basically, to help them. The Levites didn't have their own land, and so they couldn't, they couldn't till and raise crops and raise animals to support themselves. They were dependent upon the people. And the, strain, uh, the fatherless didn't have a father to go out and work and to provide for them, so you had to provide for them. And the widow, the widow, again, didn't have a husband to go and work for her. She needed to be provided for. And so these, um, and that's the beauty of, again, God and his mercy and creating an environment that takes care of all people and there's specific delineated roles for people that when they do what they're supposed to, everything works in harmony. It's when we, you know, break down these social barriers and, and you know, garbage of this humanistic junk that you hear out there today uh, and they call that freedom. No, it's actually not freedom. It's, it's, it's enslavement um, to chaos and to, and to death, really. Whereas God wants life for his people. So then in chapter 15, we read about uh, the, the release at every seven years. Every seven years, you had a releasing of debts, and, uh, which would be awesome. <laughs> and so they were to forgive all debts at the end of seven years. What's really amazing about this, though, is what he says is, uh, and it's supposed to be so it helps that there's no poor and you're not supposed to shut your hand from helping the poor. Um, let's go down to um, 9. Beware that there, of fifth, chapter 15, verse 9. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. <laughs> Same, the seventh year, the real, re, year of release is at hand and thine eye be evil against the poor brother and thou givest him not. He under cry unto Yehovah against thee, and it be a sin unto thee. And thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing Yehovah thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. In other words, there's only six months left in the seven year cycle, and he says, Man, I need five grand to get, you know, whatever, to buy, uh, fix my tractor to help plow my fields. You were supposed to lend to that guy knowing he wouldn't pay you back before that seventh year and the seventh year comes in release. But you weren't supposed to be stingy and have an evil eye. That's what an evil eye means is to be stingy and not help out your brother. But you were to give and lend knowing that God would in turn bless you because you did what was right. And so that, that was what was going on there. So he says, you know, don't operate according to your wicked heart. Do what I tell you to do. For the poor never ceases out of the land. Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to the needy in thy land. Uh, and then it has the um, part about, you know, if a, a servant wants to stay in the house, they take the awl and they pierce it on the doorpost, and there's a whole bunch of neat symbolism in there. Um, and then it talks about in the end of the chapter here that the first liens of all the flock are God's and they were to be given unto God. And um, six, chapter 16 uh, talks about, gets into the Passover in the month of Aviv. And uh, again, it tells us here that they're to sacrifice um, sacrifices at, at the place where God shall place his name in the temple and not wherever they feel like it. And, and it talks about these, these Passover, Feast of Weeks, and uh, Tabernacles, because those are the three 
festivals in which all the men of Israel had to, uh, the males had to be present before God. As it says in uh, 16, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Yehovah thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, in the feast of weeks, in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before Yehovah empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of Yehovah thy God, which he giveth thee. So that ends our Torah portion. And so God, you know, Moses is just continuing to lay out basically the major points to the people. It's kind of encapsulating it all in a nutshell, laying it all out so that they live and operate how they're supposed to. All right, let's go to Isaiah 66. And we're going to read a little bit there. Just, just a few verses here. 66, verse 1. Thus saith Yehovah, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things mine hand made, and all those things have been, been saith Yehovah, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. You know, we, we should be trembling at God's word, not figuring out how we don't have to obey it. You know, he that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense, as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. Now these are, God calls anything that's not his way into parts abominations. For so, I also will choose their delusions, and I will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes, and chose that in which I delighted not. Hear the word of Yehovah, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let Yehovah be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Ah, just such good, powerful stuff. I love it. Love it. All right, John sixteen. No. Okay, John sixteen verse one. This is Yeshua speaking. These things I have spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. <laughs> well, that's scary words. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you remember that I told you of them. And th these things I said unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you askest me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go. For if I go not away, the comfortable will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe me not, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and will show it unto you. 
All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he leads us into all truth, approves, and guides us, and it's all consistent. Going back to God's Word, because He never changes. And let's go uh, up to 17. Uh, I want to read this passage where uh, Yeshua is praying before uh, Judas comes. So 17, verse 1. These words spake Yeshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to though many as, the, as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Yeshua Messiah, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had before, with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. They, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept my word, uh, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name, those who thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I... For these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may all be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, and they may, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them my name, and will declare it, and love wherewith, and the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's just a beautiful, awesome prayer. So much good stuff in it. And but can you see there how, again, the continuity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, His children, us, and and. That it's all really one and the same. There, there is no, there's no separation, and that's why it's so important that we speak and teach and live according to His Word, because that's the only place where continuity and where truth resides, and that's the only way one, one is sanctified. You know, we are redeemed, and now we are being sanctified through God's Word. You know, so that's why it's so egregious when we say that Yeshua could ever change one jot or one tittle 
by coming and dying. It's just flat wrong. His word is his self, which is God, and can't be changed. It's forever. It's eternal. It's trustworthy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this, for your word and for this day and that we can read it and learn it and do it uh, and that you uh, repeat constantly to us what we need because we're like children and we need repetition. And so I thank you for it. Uh, I thank you for the sixth month that we get to uh, live out and help us to um, have a good week, a good month as we prepare and set our minds on the fall holidays which are coming, which foretell of your return. Uh, I just thank you for that and um, just uh, ask that you would just continue to sanctify us through your word. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.